Oh, it keeps me around? Oh, jeez. I kind of feel like Al Pacino sometimes. You know, every time I'm out, they drag me back in. That's Philip Ely. And this is Richard Moss. This week's episode of Ludophilia is all about Phil and his big, huge, gigantic passion for wrestling and a particular wrestling video game called No Mercy. I spoke to him last year, around May, about his involvement in a practice called ROM hacking. Now what this is, is like hacking and modifying of old console video games. Now No Mercy was a Nintendo 64 game. This first segment deals with that love of No Mercy and how he hacks a 15 year old game. Later in the show I'll catch up with Phil to see how he's going now. It's a very influential game for me. I know that sounds weird because it's it's a video game, but I think everybody has, at least if you're a gamer or something like that, you have that one game that you can kind of connect back with. The possibilities with No Mercy modding and hacking are actually, it's unbelievable considering that this game is, you know, 11, or is it 12 years old now? It turned 15 in November. I'm willing to say that No Mercy has been hacked, modded, uh, redone, picked apart, and uh, just overall had more work done to it than any other Nintendo 64 game. It's unreal. Uh, there's guys that still, I mean, uh, I'm one of them, we, we dig through bare code looking for values and how we can manipulate them just to get one more new thing in the game. It, it's, it's pretty incredible. So there are lots of wrestling video games. No Mercy is away from being the only one. As far as I can tell, there have been pretty much two a year since it was released, and there are a couple of dozen or so before as well, but it's still held up as pretty much the best of the lot by most wrestling fans. Uh, whenever I would buy a new SmackDown versus Raw game or something like that, we would instantly compare it to No Mercy because the I, I think the mechanics of it just, it was perfect. It, it mixed... Uh, it was more of a simulator than a than a fighting game, and a lot of these newer WWE games and such are, are a bit more arcadey, I think, and that's that's what turns a lot of people off. From what I can tell, most wrestling fans almost unanimously agree that either No Mercy or Fire Pro are the standard for wrestling games. Fire Pro is not at all well known in the West, so to briefly explain, it's a long-running Japanese series that's been around for. Whew, 25 years or so now it's really really hard and it has a strange control scheme it's truer to the sport than a typical wrestling game where you have timing based grappling maneuvers that you need to get just right and it is so hard 
to do that. I know. I sucked at it. I, 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 yeah, I'm horrible at Fire Pro. I wish I was good at it. Then I would mod Fire Pro. Instead, he fell into No Mercy hacking and the kind of oddball community that formed around it. Yeah, I discovered No Mercy hacking accidentally. I had finished up in college. I had nothing to do. And I just wanted a Game Shark code to unlock everything. Game Shark is not at all well known anymore, but it was a pretty big deal back in the 90s. Um, it was like a special cartridge that you could add to your game console that would let you enter developer codes so you could uh, make your character invincible or unlock all the levels or something like that. It was basically a way to cheat and hack a game. So I typed no mercy hacks into my Google bar and <laughs> wow, I found full game conversions. And the hardest part about it was, uh, and this goes back to the whole schizophrenic community. And this, this is, it was really funny. Um, back then, if you wanted to get anything, uh, no mercy, uh, when it came to hacks or mods, you pretty much had to join this site called the no mercy zone. Uh, the problem was, is their registrations were always closed. I, I'm dead serious for my first two and a half years. I couldn't get into that site. He says that when he finally did get in, it was a kind of a bad experience anyway. You know, the people in charge of the forum would purge accounts that weren't posting enough and they'd ban people who said things they didn't like. I've actually never seen more internet drama than on pro wrestling boards, let alone a No Mercy board. And so when we started up OSR, uh, my, my friend Armando started up and he asked me to come in as an admin. I, I said I would, but we have to we have to have a very strict open door policy. Uh, I, I don't, you know, even if you don't have uh, a membership at OSR, you can see everything on that site. You can access any mod, any hack, you know, anything you want, and you're not pressured into, you know, say, joining a community and having to impress some other people so they don't ban you just because you want to play some damn wrestling games. The downside is that Phil and the other moderators have to deal with the abuse and petulance of some of the kids on the site. Most of them are kids. But on the whole, he was fairly positive about it. I asked him why he's so interested in hacking into No Mercy or any video games for that matter. I think anybody that's ever loved a video game has kind of wanted to make one, you know. Um, for me, I, I get a strange high off being able to take something like a game I love and manipulate it and change it. And it, it all, it kind of brings you closer to the game in a weird way. Yeah, you know, you, you'd be sitting there and, and you're playing a game. And you're like, you know what? I don't like this aspect. I wish if that thing would change, if this one little thing would change, man, it would be a lot more fun to play. And then when you figure out that, hey, I can do that. That's just, that's, 
that's huge, you know. It's it's like this explosion in your brain, and it's almost, uh, I don't know, it's just like creating anything else, you know. It's whether, you know, like whether you're writing a song or anything. It's that same creative high that, that you get. And uh, for me, it's great because, you know, pro wrestling and video games are two of my favorite things in the world, and I can combine it. And it's... Uh, it's a hobby that won't get me into trouble either. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons uh, why ROM hacking appeals to me. I, there's also something great that he could just throw himself into. And let Phil explain why. The only reason why I've managed to spend these last. I didn't really get hardcore into it till about about two and a half years ago. It was an injury, you know. I, I ripped the ligaments out of my left ankle, and I had a lot of time and unemployment on my hands. And you'll notice that a lot of people that do that, a lot of uh, coincidentally, don't have jobs. Um, so I had a lot of time on my hands, and you know, I'm glad I spent it learning something instead of just wasting away waiting for my leg to heal. Oh, did I tell you how I injured my leg, actually? I was in a pro wrestling school. <laughs> and hurt my leg really bad. And that, that's what I was going to do with my life. I was, I was going to be a pro wrestler. And uh, after that injury, there's uh, th there's just no way that I can... I can go anymore. I, I think being able to, you know, mod and hack this thing, it kind of lets me do something creative that's also wrestling related. Because uh, after I hurt my leg, there was a huge, huge hole in my life. And that really did help it. Man, it kind of pulled me out of my depression at that point, you know, because it was something else that I was good at. And at the same time, I could talk wrestling with folks. My great uncle was a wrestler. I, I still have some picks from, you know, being in... I had two matches. Two two whole matches. Um, <laughs> they weren't that good. <laughs> I had a lot to learn, but... um, Yeah, that wrestling has been a big part of my life since I was a real, real young kid. My great uncle was a wrestler called Cowboy Carlson. He was pretty big in the 50s and 60s. Nobody's heard of him since. And I think that was a big reason why I keep gravitating back to pro wrestling. I mean, I'm wearing a pro wrestling shirt. I'm kind of a kind of a super fan, I guess you could say. And as for hacking No Mercy specifically, he has one other reason as well. You know, a lot of people don't know this uh, unless they're a No Mercy fan, but that game is technically unfinished. There's a lot of code in there from previous AKI games and then from things that they didn't have time to put in the game before the Christmas release. And you kind of feel like a digital treasure hunter digging through this game, trying to find these values and addresses. And when you find one and it works, it's, it's a great feeling. I like to describe ROM hacking as being a kind of digital archaeology. It's like you're digging into the unfinished world that is the game and finding artifacts below the surface that tell you about how this world was built and what ideas went into it. And you can also kind of find the natural disasters of game development. You know, the things that weren't finished in time, but 
for one reason or another, they couldn't be taken out of the code. And you know, just things that went wrong. In No Mercy, hackers sift through the code, uncovering lost and incomplete animations and moves. Then they try to figure out a way to implement them in the game or re-implement them in the game. And that's not all they do. The big thing when I spoke to Phil was something called polypoint hacking. They've actually managed to find the different, you know, points on the models and uh, we manipulate them to like, let's say if you want horns on a guy or, or something like that, they can do that now. Uh, they've even done it so far as to turn these these arenas uh, in the game into huge domes, huge stadiums. A lot of the first hacks would start off as, uh, uh, we call it move hacking or move splicing. Uh, what we did is, well, we as if I'm, I wasn't around at this point, but what um, was discovered is we can take an animation in game and splice a different animation into it. And, as, and we can do this just about as many times as we want. And uh, this creates new moves, you know, just like that. So anytime a new guy comes out, most of the time we can create a hack that would, you know, fit his moveset even if it didn't come in game. But if you take all these things together, it pretty much just makes No Mercy an almost immortal game engine because we can just keep building on as as uh, the wrestling world updates itself. There's a hacker uh, whose handle is WLDFB, and uh, I do believe he's out of Italy. And this guy, I don't know how he finds values, but he's actually managed to change a few fundamental things in the game, you know, like fix bugs that didn't work before. Um, geez, right? it's, it's, it's such a huge list because there's so many hacks. One of the really cool things that he managed to do was make, uh, I don't know how um, well-versed you are in wrestling lore, but for a long time there, uh, there was a wrestler called The Undertaker, and at this event called WrestleMania, he would, he would never lose. But in No Mercy, you could beat him easily. Well, you can't now. You know, he's, he's, uh, he made a hack to where he's almost, you know, unbeatable. And, and, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think one of the greatest things he managed to do uh, was figure out a way to quadruple the roster, which basically leaves it to where you could have a roster larger than any wrestling game ever made. So what that means basically is that you could go from the game's original 70 or so wrestlers, that's including you know, all the secret ones and the unlockable ones, and boost it to over 300. He and a bunch of other guys at the forum had been working on a project called Showdown 64, which was basically for that very purpose, to fill out the roster with as many wrestlers that they that they could come up with. It was very time-consuming. Each new wrestler had to be designed in Photoshop first, and then they had to hack that into the game using the GameShark codes, and then use some custom tools to hack in moves so that each wrestler had their own distinct style, and they had arenas to do, and... Just so many things. So with Showdown, we've been at it for about four years now. 
what I tried to do was initially I just started off including every wrestler I loved since I was a kid. And then I started running out of wrestlers I loved as a kid. So we just kept plowing on. And right now we have guys that date all the way back from the 1950s like Luthez all the way to your John Cena's. You know, so you can you can have that. And then we have guys from, you know, the the TNA, the rival company of WWE right now, right in there, too. So you can have that, you know, those dream matches that you never see on television. Uh, we've redone nine out of the ten arenas that come in with the game. We, uh, uh, Yeah, that's another great thing. You can make all new arenas with all this hacking and stuff. And, uh, yeah, we update. There's DLC released about every other week. And... Uh, we're about a fourth of the way done with the roster. So maybe by the time I'm up for retirement, it'll be done. Probably the coolest thing about modding a wrestling game is that you can exploit the way the wrestling world works. So there are dozens, maybe hundreds of rival promotions all around the world, and a lot of them would never, ever let their wrestlers fight wrestlers from another promotion. With your ROM hacking, you can do that. You can have games that have rival promotions would never agree to make a video game all there together, all fighting at once. And I think that's the largest appeal ever is that since you don't have to worry about, you know, likeness rights or anything like that, you can put anybody you want in it. You know, you can have any dream roster. And I think for anybody that's ever played a sports game, that's kind of... It's the thing that everyone dreams about. You can have Jordan and LeBron, Messi and Pele, John Cena and Luthez, whatever combination of people across eras and leagues, promotions, it's kind of the ultimate sports fantasy enabler. And it's only possible because of a particular feature in a Nintendo 64 emulator called Project 64. If you're not familiar with emulators, they're basically apps that let you play old games from you know, old game consoles, in this case Nintendo 64, on a modern computer. There are some legal problems with doing that, but we're not going to worry about that here. Project 64 uh, comes, well, Project 64 1.7 or higher uh, come with a really great debugger feature. And uh, so basically what, what you would do is, let's say, you know, you're somewhere in game and you want to find the value of something. Uh, let's say, uh, oh, isn't it uh, B106, B454? Uh, that's the address for player one. So you would type that into your debugger. And, you know, hit the Game Shark button and you'll get this big list of values. And what we do is just manipulate them. So once we have a code written down, uh, the emulator comes with a Game Shark feature, basically. So we basically just put these huge, obnoxiously long Game Shark codes. I'm talking sometimes hundreds upon hundreds of lines uh, into the emulator and then you activate it up. Um, with Project 64 1.7 or higher, there's no longer a limit to how many hacks and cheats you can put into it. And we've really taken advantage of that because you need that space. Uh, for instance, those, uh, those moveset hacks I was telling you about that turns the one wrestler into four, well, each slot to change that moveset is going to be about 
2,400 lines of code. <laughs> and uh, you're only allowed to put in 100 lines at a time. And it used to be that after you, I think it was, I think it was, uh, you were only allowed to put 100 different codes in, in the old version of Project 64. And it really limited uh, how much we could do. So nobody really uh, tried to do any of these really big, grand hacks. But ever since Project 64 has been updated, the hacking scene has really, really gotten intense. Because uh, we, can, we can do anything we want. We can just keep putting code in until we get the game we like. So as I mentioned at the start, that whole segment came from an interview recorded in May 2014 for a feature that I wrote for Edge magazine about ROM hacking. Now, a few weeks ago, I called Phil for a follow-up interview to, to do this podcast, and he had some huge news. And I think this is really exciting. I'll let him explain. Oh, I'm good. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sore. I uh, took an elbow to the back last night that, that, uh, just bothering me today, but you know, buy the ticket, take the ride, man. You know, that's that's what I do. So you're gonna be a, a real wrestler? I already am. I made my debut last night. Well, well, I had a match before last night, but everybody that goes through uh, that goes through the the uh, uh, beginners course gets a gets a match. Um, last night was the first match that I that I earned, I guess you could say. So uh, I'm pretty stoked about it. You know, it felt really good. I got squashed. I got killed in about five minutes. But that's that's fine. Yeah, best night of my life, man. So it turns out that leg injury that Phil spoke about last time, it wasn't completely dream crushing. Phil moved across the country in July from his home that was in a small town in Montana all the way over to Louisville, Kentucky. It's, you can't go much further uh, across America than that. He's going to one of the best wrestling schools in the country and he finished the 10-week beginner's course a while ago, so now he's taking the advanced course, which he thinks is going to take him more than the usual year or so to complete. What changed to, to allow you to, to finish rehabilitating your leg? I mean, when we last spoke, you were pretty much dead set on you'll never be able to do it. Um, that's, that's a story. Um, this last January, uh, my older brother died at the age of 35. Uh, he, he was my stepbrother, but we were all raised together as kids. Um, and uh, it kind of just lit a fire under my ass because he never wasted a day of his life. Not once, you know, by the time he was 19, he was on dialysis and nobody thought he was going to make it. And uh, he made it further than, than anybody ever expected. And he was an amazing, incredible person. And I realized that uh, I had resigned myself because I always thought there would be more time. And, th and there, there really isn't in life, you know, you get one shot. And uh, I pretty much decided on that day that I was going to change who I was and change my outlook and try and be a better person, try to be a stronger, braver person. Ever since then, I, I just started uh, uh, working as hard as I can, you know, try and make them proud, try to make myself proud, my family. And uh, I'm doing it, you know, I, I really am. 
I, I, I came to realize it was just me the whole time. It was just me not allowing myself. You know, you set these mental barriers and I think a lot of folks do that. You know, they, uh, they just put these reasons why they can't do something in front of them. And, uh, you're the easiest person to bullshit. You know, you, you can, you can tell yourself a lie about anything and believe it. Just as long as you're lying to yourself, you know, the right way to convince yourself. I just started getting out of my comfort zone on everything, you know, everything. And, uh, best decision i ever made <laughs> i've got this steve jobs quote like beside me over here that that i look at every day just to remind myself not to take anything for granted where he's um it was i think at his he gave a stanford commencement address like 10 years ago or something and he was he was talking about uh how every day when you wake up think if today were my last day alive would i be doing what i want to do what I'm about to do. And it's like, if the answer's no too many days in a row, you got to change something. That's perfect. I've never heard that. I like that. You know, because every day when you do wake up, it's it's up to you how you approach your day, you know, no matter how, how tough it is. I don't know. I'm glad I did what I did because, you know, if you if I hadn't, you could have done this follow-up and I would have been even more miserable and more depressed and even worse, you know, but... uh no, and and you know that that article was actually a big catalyst for a lot of that. I think because it was it was like wow, you know, I can I can do things, you know, and and it can it can affect you know things outside the room that I do it in. You know what I'm saying? You know, I just I started believing in myself. It was the greatest greatest feeling in the world to finally believe in yourself after thirty something odd years of just resigning yourself instead of. Instead of saying, nah, nah, let's, let's do this. Let's grab the bull by the horns and let's, let's see where it takes me. You know, I might succeed, I might fail, but I tell you what, in, my, in the twilight of my life, I am not going to regret this. You know, it's a crazy world of wrestling. You, you, you never know what's going to happen that night. So I always show up with a, with a suit and with my actual wrestling gear. So if they need somebody to be a mouthpiece and wear a suit, I got that covered. Or if they need, you know, a wrestler, I got my wrestling gear. And, uh, you know, the guy that runs the show just came up to us like, hey, you got your gear? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. And uh, Come on back. And I go on back and I figure maybe I'm just going to, I don't know, just be standing somewhere in the background for a tape. And it's like, no, I, no, I got a match. You know, I got a match at, you know, the, the Davis Arena. It's one of the most famous wrestling arenas in America. You know, that's where John Cena trained, that's where Brock Lesnar trained, you know, Randy Orton and just scores of other people. They, they had me against this guy, he's about seven feet tall. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I didn't have to do much, you know, because I, I think I got maybe three punches in, maybe four, maybe four punches, before he just annihilated me, you know, big kick to the face, bam, I'm out, you know. And... Uh, you know, I guess maybe a lot of guys wouldn't have the ego to be able to go out there and just, you know, look foolish and get your ass kicked, you know, and lose. But for me, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, it's it's about being part of the show, about being there and, you know, uh, earning earning the right just to do that. You know, that, that, that was huge for me. And now that he's over his fears and he's got his life in order, Phil says that 
his no mercy hacking and modding has actually improved as well when he has time for it. I ended up creating a site, another one, uh, just specifically for creators. You know, and it's uh, it's a closed forum, so unless unless uh, you know somebody, you can't really get in. And and we actually have you know a really good pool of talent. And and because of that, you know, we actually created this environment where you don't have to worry about all the bullshit that you had to at every single other wrestling modding site. You know, we we have a, a healthy quality community. I never thought I'd be able to say that about the No Mercy scene or just wrestling in, in general. You know, we, we have worked together and there, there's guys, uh, one specifically, I got to say, uh, SK Styles. Uh, he kind of spearheaded this whole, like, you know, this whole innovation. Uh, but we've done stuff that we never thought was possible. I mean, just, just within the last four or five months, you know, we, uh, we can have unlimited rosters now. We can have thousands of people in the game instead of being being uh, restricted to maybe 200 something odd guys. You know, because before that was a big deal. We quad we quadrupled the size. Wow! And now there is no size. You know, uh, before we could only have 10 arenas. Now we can have 108. You know, uh, uh, just just magnificent and and other games on that engine because you know no mercy was the sequel to a few other games we can import animations from one game to another now you know all because of this uh because of sk styles and you know guys like jazz and and uh wolfpack and flashman we uh and, and there's bound to be others and if anybody actually hears this and they don't hear their name i'm sorry but um yeah, we we've just done some really really amazing stuff and and now that there there are no limits. They're putting all that stuff together to form a sequel to Showdown 64, the big mod that Phil told me about last year. He says that it's pretty much going to make No Mercy unrecognizable. That's how big the scale of the changes are going to be. Uh, you know, before we had a couple of nifty tricks, we could, you know, maybe make a new move here or there we have all new gameplay dynamics you know we we fixed things that we thought we couldn't fix we've implemented things that that uh we, we never thought we'd be able to get away with and now we are and it's amazing it's cool to see this come together and it's cool to have uh, a, a healthy environment to where creators can just pool resources and information and help each other out and and the the, the end product is amazing, man. It's uh, very proud of it. Very proud of everything that we've done there because it's, uh, it's flat out groundbreaking. I wish we could sell it. It's that good. Have you told your, your forum buddies that you're doing this wrestling thing for real? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're all pretty supportive. There's even a couple that have done it themselves. You know, one of them, real good friend of mine, he actually suffered a broken back and he can't do it anymore. That's that's why he mods, you know, no mercy, kind of like the way I did, you know, that way we could have a creative outlet that was wrestling related. Yeah, they've all been really supportive. Another thing is that the way he mods has changed. He doesn't think about the design 
in anything like the same way that he used to. Now that he's a wrestler, he he thinks in a very different way. It's been eye-opening, to say the least, you know, because now when I go to hack or something like that, it's more than just, oh, let's get this guy in the roster and get his cool moves and stuff. It's It's like, how will this person interact with this person as opposed to this person? You know, uh, and and I've actually managed to make it to where, depending on who's in the match, we can change the mannerisms of each other. You know, we can we can change the life bars. We can we can do all sorts of cool things now, and it's it's definitely changed my approach to it. But whereas he's now something of an expert at No Mercy modding, he's still a really long way from actually being a good wrestler or even a decent one by the time i get there i'll I'll be too old for anything and that i've accepted that you know my uh my expectations are very realistic going into this you know like you asked me before what's my end game plan i was like i i don't know i just i just wanted to wrestle and learn more about wrestling (laughs) you know i have zero delusions of, of fame and fortune it's all about the experience and the learning for me yeah, so maybe by the time I hit 43, I won't suck. <laughs> I've never been happier, and that, that's not an exaggeration in any means. I've, I've legitimately never been happier in life. And it's funny because I've never had to work this hard in life, and I'm pretty sure that's what's going hand in hand. It's amazing what motivation will do for you. It, it is. You become aware of your mortality. And, you know, if I go one day of just being a lazy jerk i feel awful you know you i try and get something done every day you know i work out every day you know i've only been at this a couple months and i've already dropped 30 pounds considering how much time i like to spend on you know on my laptop and stuff like that you figure you know that was impossible to get to get me to pull away from the internet pull away from my steam account and and uh (laughs) do all that but but I did, you know. I mean, I have a copy of Fallout 4, and I haven't played it. I don't have, you know, I, I don't have time. You know, I, I have to earn the time, and I don't feel like I have. To give me a rough idea of how good or terrible he is at wrestling phil sent me a video uh, from a little earlier in the year a practice match that he had with someone he's that other dude's huge yeah uh rocco bellagio he's he's about the size of delaware i'd say delaware's a, a state in new england <laughs> he's a he's a he's a hell of a guy though he's um Real, real nice guy. I, I try and pick his brain whenever I can because I think he's a really, really good wrestler. Yeah, we kind of just improv most of that whole thing. Just played it by ear, and then we got to the end. And we did all right. I didn't die, so I, I, I'd say that was a success. If I walk away without having to go to the hospital, I think that's good. If, if, I, if I do well and walk away, that's even better. But right now, I'm, I'm just so green and so new that I, ju- I just don't want to hurt myself or anybody else. That's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> I 
that was Ludophilia episode 2, Mercy. Special thanks to Phil Ely for taking the time to do a follow-up interview with me, and best of luck to him in his crazy, awesome dream of becoming a professional wrestler. I'll put a link to the Old School Reunion forums in the show notes so you can learn more about the No Mercy Modern community. You can support the show via the donate button on the website, ludophilia.net, or via Patreon at patreon.com slash ludophilia. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. It really does help. Also tell all your friends and classmates, co-workers, and anyone who might be interested in the show. It's only the second episode. I need all the help I can get to build up an audience and make it a sustainable thing that I can keep going in the long term. You can write to me at richard at ludophilia.net or tweet at ludophilia. I read everything that comes in even if I don't reply right away. And all the feedback you can give me is huge. It, it helps me make the show better and it encourages me to keep going. So please let me know how I'm doing. The next episode will definitely be coming out in January. You'll look out for that. I wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, whatever it is that you're going to be doing with the end of your year. Enjoy it. And remember to play something. I'll see you in January.